0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire. And this week, guys, guess what? I'm ju- being joined by a reoccurring guest. Uh, you might remember her from a little episode that we did called Atonement, you know, that little old movie. Um, that little. Yeah, just that <laughs> that little World War II movie. Um, it is Jessica
1: <laughs> from Get Your Binge On. I know, right? It's so, like, fitting. <laughs> Hello! I know I didn't even put that together till you just said it. Yeah, <laughs> we must love this era. Yeah.
0: I love this era. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to to love about World War II stories, yeah. and I think they're so compelling. Um, and so yeah, that leads in perfectly to the movie we're talking about today, which is Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh my gosh, Is right. <laughs> like literally, aside from Barbie, the blockbuster phenomenon of the year, um, IMAX phenomenon of the year. I mean, it's it's so exciting. I I'm so happy. Yeah. To talk about oh it. Oh my gosh, same. Yeah. I mean this is a movie that
0: doesn't really need any sort of description to go along with it. but just just because yeah. we do on this on this podcast, mm-hmm. I'll read the IMDB description. and it's very short and brief. It says the story of American Scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. And that is really what we get uh, from start to finish and even beyond that. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, uh, the, the reason, I guess, to say, like, why De Flick, did we pick this movie? It's like the biggest movie of the year other than Barbie. And so like, it felt significant to cover.
1: Ex- exactly. And I think it's, it's almost like it's a, it's such a monumental film. It's like, all the work that Christopher Nolan had to put into it. And I think any film by Christopher Nolan is is worthy of an episode. And then, you know, I chose it and sent it to you because, you know, I've been waiting on it for like two years. Just the anticipation of it. It just, it's all so exciting. And it's literally like pop culture mm-hmm. candy. Everybody's talking about it right now. So it's just... We had to participate. Absolutely,
0: yeah, <laughs> had to participate in the conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, and our podcast yeah.
0: isn't like um, unfamiliar with covering Christopher Nolan films. Uh, when Elizabeth was co-host, like we did *Interstellar*, and man, we got like deep in the nitty gritty of that movie, and that's deep. one of the best movies that I think that he's yes, done. I agree. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it it definitely made sense to go see *Oppenheimer*, and I feel like this had been a film that had been talked about for so long, and then. We just kept getting new cast new cast new cast like you know Mm -hmm. when they cast Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer when they announced that like Robert Downey Jr. was going to be in this and Florence Pugh and all of these other big name celebrities I'm like holy shit this is going to be something
1: like literally and it's like each month yeah. someone knew and I remember when you know Josh Harnett got mm-hmm. added I was like what <laughs> what is he doing like where'd he come from where you been yeah. and then gosh like even I didn't even know like Tony Goldman was in it and I did not know Gary Oldman was Damn. in it like there's literally so many people in it it's insane and I mean everyone wants to be a part of of Christopher Nolan's film Mm -hmm. so it's like that prestige of of how great he is it's like oh it's so exciting it's like if to see everyone in it it's like
0: if you weren't in Oppenheimer then you were probably in Barbie like they just had like huge (laughs) cast list part of the sea (laughs) um so seriously though that is so yeah so I've only seen this movie once and you've seen it how many times now
1: I've seen it twice. I plan on going to see it again with my husband. And my first time was very much like an awe. I was just like mouth open Mm -hmm. on the floor, just taking in every moment. But then the second time I watched it, I really focused on dialogue and interactions between the characters and like things that I didn't catch the first time. So I really think, watching it a second time is very vital Mm -hmm. um and it's harder to do when it's in the theaters but I do think you get more from it seeing it multiple times for sure but yeah I've seen it twice so far yeah I think
0: the way the story unfolds it almost requires a second viewing to like fully Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. understand what is happening because you're right when you first are watching it at least when I was first watching it I was like okay, okay, okay. I'm processing, I'm processing, I'm like absorbing all Mm -hmm. the information. And then at the end is when you're kind of rewarded for like everything that you kind of just watched from the beginning. Yeah. And let me tell you, when I finished watching it, I was like, wow, I don't feel very good. (laughs)
1: Like it does not leave you (laughs) feeling good at all whatsoever. No. No, it's very ominous. It's very like inward thinking you you kind of look at Oppenheimer's life but then you're looking at the society that we live in today and you're just kind of like wow this is so (laughs) full circle and it's very haunting Uh like it's just it's just the moral dilemma Mm -hmm. the moral dilemma the ethical dilemmas yeah I mean yeah the way that that ending was summarized Christopher Nolan is really good at doing that and it was just beautifully done. I was completely shocked at how that all tied mm-hmm. up, and then I loved that last scene for sure. Yeah. I saw it like like the last
0: scene like turns it almost into a horror movie. I've seen that comparison yeah. um, before. I mm-hmm. saw Oppenheimer. I saw a tweet that was like, "Is there a post credit scene to Oppenheimer?" And the reply was, "We're living in it," and that like really
1: stuck with me. So I was like, "Wow, wow, yeah." That's and that's exactly I guys I mentioned this I just featured mm, Oppenheimer yes. on my podcast and that's I felt like it was such uh it was interesting because it's like Christopher Nolan he lives in England he's making this film but it felt very like American this is what's going mm. on it was going on then and now it's still mm-hmm. going on now yeah. it's like it's it's a, it's incredibly haunting and like freaky and yeah, we're living in it now. Yeah. Like it's ooh, it's it is terrifying. Yeah.
0: It's terrifying. My husband and I like we went to the li- Liquor store immediately after we were going to a friend's house, but it seemed very fitting that we went to a liquor store right afterward. And yeah. there were other people there in line in front of us who had just seen it, and we happened to be talking about it, and they happened to overhear us, and they were like, "We we just did this." We were like, "We know, we know, we yeah. understand." You gotta chug one after that. <laughs> it just it sits. Yeah, it, it just sits. It does. <laughs> um. Well, I think we should start by talking about like the man himself, Killian Murphy the father of the atom bomb Oppenheimer. I know you're like a huge Killian
1: Murphy fan. Y'all, I I literally remember where I was when I found out he got cast. And this is like his sixth time being in Christopher Nolan's Mm -hmm. film. They have like an extensive history. And I felt like he, when I heard that he got cast and then I looked at the side-by-side pictures of like J. Robert Oppenheimer and Killian, I was like, wow, I can see yeah. this. I can see it. And I feel like he just completely embodied this person in every way, shape or form. I mean, obviously like Killian has blue eyes. He's got the bone structure, mm-hmm. you know, but he looked like him. He he made his mannerisms and his body look so much like him and he just, he killed it. He did such a great job. The voice, like changing his accent because Oppenheimer like grew up in New York but he had like he was Jewish Yeah, I think so. Is that right? He was Jewish so he's got all the and I think maybe he, one of his family members was German. Like he just had a a very different kind of voice and I just think Killian did oh, fantastic. Absolutely. Like it wasn't yeah, Killian absolutely. Murphy it was Oppenheimer
0: in the movie. Like oh, I didn't yeah. even think of him as it Killian was. anymore. And I don't. I haven't really watched like too much with Killian. Um, the things that I have seen though are one Inception and two Dark Knight, which are both Christopher Nolan films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he, like you said, he really embodied the character. He did. Um, I read that it took like him six months to prepare for the role, and like part of that mm-hmm. was um, doing a lot of research. One uh, for this and like reading up on who Oppenheimer is, which um, a lot of. Well, most of this movie, I think, is also based on the bi- biography, mm-hmm. um, American Prometheus. So he read up on that. I think a lot of the cast, like that was their homework assignment was just to basically like yeah, I think read so. that book. Um, but he also read the Gita, which is the 700 verse religious text um, in in Hindu. And that's the one that Oppenheimer quotes that goes, now I become death um, destroyer sh- of worlds. Destroyer yeah. worlds. Um, I didn't realize he actually read it. That's awesome. I don't know if he, like, read a translation of it, but... Read all of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, he definitely did the work. And, like, he lost so much weight, too,
1: for it. So much weight, you guys. Well, and I don't know if you guys just reference, like, Peaky Blinders, and he's, like, this buff gangster. And then in this film, he's literally... I mean... People from that era called Robert J. Robert Oppenheimer emaciated, like he was very skinny. He didn't eat good, so like, <laughs> there's jokes that like all Killian would eat was like an that's almond. What I, saw. I don't know if that's true, but like he he probably didn't eat very yeah. good if if at all anything because I mean he shrunk. And I remember seeing like clips of them filming and things, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even recognize him. He's so skinny, but I think he that's a it's it's that's part of turning into that character Mm -hmm. and i think he just he knew he had to get that look right you know Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you read this but i just read it i was reading up and kai bird one of the people who wrote american prometheus visited the set when they were filming oppenheimer and he said that when killian walked up and he was like dressed in the outfit he looked so much like oppenheimer that he was like Dr. Yeah. Oppenheimer is so good to meet you. I've wanted to meet you forever. And then Killian was like, yeah, we read your book, man. Uh, Everybody's reading yeah, it. You yeah. know, I'm just like, that is so freaking cool. Like how awesome it would be to just like, I don't know. That was probably a really cool moment for that writer. Oh, yeah. That I mean,
0: when they're like at Los Alamos and he puts on the coat and the hat and the pipe, and we know like that mm-hmm. image of him with his pipe, mm-hmm. like that's like the image that circulates that we yeah. know is Oppenheimer. And in that moment I saw
1: it. I was like, You are you are I Oppenheimer. Absolutely. And I I think that scene was so important too because it's like in that part of the movie, he's like getting his identity back, yeah. you know. He's like, I'm not a military serviceman. Like, I'm a physicist and I'm going to just, I, that's why they called me here. That's why I'm here. And I just loved it. It was so powerful. And the score, like, chiming in, it was just, oh, yeah. it was so good. Oh my gosh. It was so good. Yeah.
0: And like all the other casts, too, like, there's just so many people yeah. in this movie, but like the standout ones for me, Robert Downey Jr., of course, Emily mm-hmm. Blunt, mm-hmm. Florence Pugh, Matt Damon, like, they were, Equally, I think, as good in this movie. And Robert Downey Jr., I was almost they like, work. I don't recognize you either with your
1: your makeup
0: and hair I and know. everything.
1: No, he did such a good job. Also, like, a lot of the times when when we see Robert Downey Jr., he's playing, like, the cool guy, yeah. the nice guy. And it's almost like, he, even though at the beginning of the film we didn't realize that he was, like, the villain, uh, he, he really was in a different role mm-hmm. and i really enjoyed it i really i just i loved seeing him like that no everybody's saying that of course killian murphy should get oscar nominations for this but like everyone is saying robert downey mm-hmm. will i i think he and should. i i agree i do too i i loved did it I, he did i so loved great.
0: him in iron man i loved him as iron man um and i feel like there's not really like anything i've Remembered him being in Sense, um, like he had the, um, Doctor Doolittle movie, which I don't think did very well, and so I feel like this is Mm -hmm. like his chance to like show that he's back and yeah. Mm -hmm. And there were moments where I was like, I was getting Tony Stark energy from him, like just like if Tony Stark was like a little evil, um, but but yeah, I think he did such a good job as as Louis Strauss.
1: Is that how you say it? I think okay. that's how you say it. Straws. That's
0: straws. Straws. I know they make mention of it. Straws. But I remember what they...
1: Straws. I think it... Yeah, I think it's Straws. Straws. Like with or a straws. Z. Straws. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think. Weird. I need to like yeah. watch it they, again to be they sure. They make fun of it in the movie. They make a comment. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? They do.
0: Um, Emily Blunt, yeah. too, as his wife Kitty. Oh, my God. So good. Amazing.
1: And I, I, I know that it's been talked about in the the media and stuff. But see, they worked together. Killian and Emily worked together in A Quiet Place 2, mm. which I don't know if you've seen. Yeah. I love that. I loved A Quiet Place 1 and so then I went to see A Quiet Place 2, of course, because Killian mm. was in it. And um, they're that prior connection that they had, I feel like made their marriage connection Mm. in this film a lot stronger. And they've commented on the fact that like, once you've worked with someone, you have that kind of trust. And I think a lot of the scenes between them felt really authentic, like married couple-esque. And I, I, even though it's like there wasn't a lot of romantic scenes between them, but you know, the marriage struggles Mm -hmm. and, you know, under like, I don't know, the whole taken in the sheets scenes and everything. Oh, yeah. I feel like there was a lot of emotion between them two. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is contributed to the fact that they had worked together before, but she, she blew me away. I think she was a great rep- representation for like moms in that era mm-hmm. and, you know, women going through like postpartum struggles and she just, and, and just the whole trial and the oh ending. God her during the trial, like, <laughs> That yeah. moment where
0: she is being examined and they, like, oh, like, during this whole, like, trial while he's going through it, she's telling him, like, why won't you fight back? Like, this is what I would say if I was there. Mm-hmm. And how they set up the scene where she is being questioned and she seems, like, all of a sudden very meek and um, withdrawn. And I was like, no, don't do this to me. Like, like do what you said. Be, and then
1: she, she turns self.
0: it around yeah. on him and she, like, like is quick with the answers and gets the one guy to like laugh laugh at her like with her not at her yeah um god it was so good it was my favorite part
1: it was so good because you could almost see her like slipping away mm-hmm. but I almost wonder if she was doing that on purpose to like make them think but then you could see you could see the moment she flipped and she was like I'm I'm fixing I know. to like she, take you guys she's online. like do, you, it do I so remember
0: great. a card that they sent to me like X amount of years ago, yeah, years yeah. Dude, am yeah. I supposed to remember that? Yeah, oh, good, yeah. so good. Um, equally good is Florence Pugh who plays Jean Tetlock. So good. She had a relationship with Oppenheimer pre his marriage and also during. Uh, we see, but she is a member of the Communist Party, and this like sets up a whole other angle of the movie that gets into mm. Oppenheimer's affiliation with the Communist Party, even though he was never part of it.
1: he's like kind of
0: tied to it through her and some other of his friendships
1: yeah and i mean i think her she was not in this film very long i mean her scenes were very limited but i think she left a really big impact and everything i've read was that like his and gene's relationship was really strong but extremely tumultuous and you know yeah, I mean, one would say that like had he never been at that first party and had he never – that first party that was at Cal Berkeley mm-hmm. and had he never met Gene, like he would have never had this communist tag on yeah. his name and that's what spun everything out of control, you know? Yeah,
0: because wasn't his brother – his? I don't know if his brother invited him or his brother uh-huh. went, but then his brother ended up get marrying someone in the communist party and Oppenheimer kept saying like, be careful, man.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, and I think I think his brother did invite him to that party. And even Josh Harnett's character, Lawrence, mm-hmm. I think pr- Professor Lawrence, uh, he kept telling Oppenheimer like don't mis- mix politics with, you know, the school yeah. and he he knew what Oppenheimer was doing wasn't a really a good idea, but it seemed like Oppenheimer was going to be who he was going to be no matter what. Yeah. Like he was very true to himself. And he was just, he was smart. He read people, you know, but I think he, he over-trusted people a lot, too. Yeah, Yeah, especially, like,
0: when they're at Los Alamos and they feel like there's a spy in their midst mm-hmm. because... I can't remember exactly, but something happens in Russia where they're like they haven't they have this and they shouldn't. And we feel like it's connected to Los Alamos and someone's been slipping information through the cracks. And he's so firm of like, no, that's not happening. Like he was so up- and then yeah. it ultimately, like there was a spy um um in the Manhattan Project, which I was like, oh, dang it, but I know yeah, he was so
1: trusting. He was very trusting. and I mean, it sucks because he wasn't the one in charge of those security clearances, but, you know, he did. He trusted his team, mm-hmm. and, yeah, it was that. His name was Klaus Fuchs, and yeah. he, if you watch it a second time, I mean, blink and you'll miss it. Like, and that's probably what it was like for them. He probably hung hung back in the shadows, but, yeah, and, and that's exactly what happened. It was a Russian. I think they got access to, like, a certain type of bomb yeah. or something. And they knew that somebody was leaking
0: information. I mean, with like the Communist Party and everything, the way I interpreted it was like Oppenheimer is very much. uh, I'm going to sit and like he just like like, likes to learn and he likes to, you know, Mm -hmm. sit back and take in all sides of things. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's um, like, a you know proponent of one ideology or the other and i there was also some like interesting stuff with kitty when she's at um the examination where because she had also been um kind of affiliated well a member of the communist party but for her she was like i was thinking the american communist party you know it was different for me and then when i found out like i i left the party so i feel like just for oppenheimer he just is a person who wants to learn and like like see all sides of things and he's really like intrigued and and everything but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is like gonna support these these beliefs
1: right and that it's not that's not proof that he was supporting Mm -hmm. or was funding the communist party and not even that he fully supports their ideals wholeheartedly I think there was probably things that overlapped that he did believe Mm -hmm. in but like yeah exactly like you said I think he likes to know all the the facets of or he liked to know all the facets of every angle and every party and he just wanted to like educate himself constantly
0: um and then matt damon also i wanted to to just mention as leslie groves he's the officer who recruits oppenheimer to lead the manhattan project and i just love anytime matt damon's in a movie so um I'm too. glad, and like I feel like he was his classic Matt Damon self, where he brought this like humor to the role. But then the, there was also mm-hmm. the side of it where he was very brass tacks, and so I liked seeing him play with those two sides.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like he he made me giggle a few yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> during the whole. Oh my gosh, same. And I feel like he they had great on set chemistry, and I think like Oppenheimer and Groves's relationship probably was an important one and you know I think they trusted each other and they supported each other and I think he did a good job of like showing us that and yeah I love Matt Damon he he's awesome agreed he's he just brings such a carefree but also like really talented like embodiment to the mix he's he's fantastic absolutely um and also he was in Interstellar. I'm just remembering. So he is also in. Yes, I know. I'd forgotten. And, you know, I need to I need to watch that movie again. It's been years. That
0: movie, I feel like I need I need to be in a certain mood because I feel, again, like very sad at the end a little bit. Very heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. Oh, it's yeah. heavy. Um, so you have to be in the right headspace. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. Uh, there's so many, like, other people in this cast. Were there, like, some favorites other than these that we've already mentioned
1: for you? Um, I really enjoyed, well, Kenneth Branagh's character yeah. came in a few times. He was important to Oppenheimer. And, obviously, I really enjoyed all the screen time that Josh Harnett got as the Lawrence, Professor Lawrence, really enjoyed mm-hmm. him. And then... Like, just Casey Affleck coming Oh my god, in. I know. That scene was incredible. And and th- just literally there for that one scene and did such a great job. Yeah. So many of them were like that too. Like, Rami Malek was yeah. in it
0: very briefly, yes. but he has such a important, huge role at the end as David yeah. Hill. Um, Gary Oldman, who we already mentioned. Um, yeah. I was in the theater thinking, is that Gary Oldman? I'm not sure, but yes. he wears makeup like that so well. Um, because he was Winston, Ch- he, does. he was Winston Churchill in the Darkest Hour, and that's why I thought it was him. Because yep. I'm like, I've seen this somewhere, and you look very much like how they did you up for that movie. Um, but yeah, I agree. I couldn't believe it. Um, I know me too. Uh, David Crumholtz also who plays a Seadore Rabbi. Um, if you're a child of the 90s you know him as Bernard from the Santa Claus and I just oh, love that's where he's yeah. from I was like ah oh, yeah I recognize you and i was so like he had yes. a really he was in it a lot too I mean for a, for a supporting actor I feel like he was in it a good fair amount yes. and I was glad to see him on on screen
1: oh my gosh I did not realize that's where he's been in yeah That's insanely funny. He's been in some other things, too, Mm -hmm. now that I think about it, that I know. Well, obviously, he's been in tons of things, but I just can't think of, I don't know. Um, I think it might be Friends.
0: He might have been in 10 Things I Hate About You. I want to say he was in that. Oh, my
1: gosh, yes. He's the friend. He's the friend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes, he is. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yes. I'm like, Christopher Nolan, wherever you got the idea to cast David Crumholtz David in this movie, thank you so much. I'm so glad. Thank
1: you. But he did such a great job, too. Yeah. And lots of really important dialogues, like, had him in it. Yeah. And he and... was one of the few who
0: stayed, like true to oppenheimer and really and like he yeah. always brought him a snack and he was like you look hungry yeah. i'm gonna bring you something to eat like he was a true friend to the
1: end he was a good friend to him yeah, yeah absolutely oh my gosh i cannot <laughs> believe that's what he's in that is so awesome I'm so glad i like unlocked wow. this uh like core memory yes for you, you did you unlocked that yes you did wow i knew he looked familiar and i just could not mm-hmm. place yeah. it Oh my gosh. I love it. Um and then this is
0: like one of my favorites too. Just really quick. I just want to mention Tom Conti, who plays Einstein. I just I just loved him. And like he's in like very few oh, yeah. scenes, but he makes such a big impact and I feel like he's just so endearing in every scene that he mm-hmm. was in. And you can really see like how Oppenheimer and Einstein like mirror and oppose each other throughout the movie, yeah, which like they weren't bFFs in real life um no, but you know, like they did still have a respect for each other at the end of the day, and right. so i I liked his moments in this film
1: yeah i I agree, and I think he kind of well, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Einstein was alive in this time period and it still just haunts me to this day that I didn't know that. Uh, Or I forgot. I knew, but I just forgot. But I think he brought like, not, that's such a weird thing to say, but he brought like a human, you know, we've always heard so much about Einstein, but like, we've never kind of saw the inner workings of Mm -hmm. him. And I feel like it was so nice to like, see him interact with people but also have like empathetic moments and you know he was he's he brought in that last big scene mm. where we like hear him say you know they're gonna they're gonna reward you one day but yes. it's gonna be on their terms yeah. and you know it's just like it's hard because he lived through all of that yeah. it's like oh it makes you really, it makes you really sad. It does. And I think he did a really good job. And it's almost like a lot of the times you see him, he looks lost and like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he looked very like sad, I guess. I don't know. I think, yeah, for as little screen time as he had, he did really well. Yeah. He did really Agreed. good. Um, I was going to say don't feel bad because
0: I was kind of the opposite of you where I thought Einstein like led the Manhattan Project for some reason and thought he was like much oh. more a part of it than he actually was. So I was like complete opposite where I was like <laughs> Einstein. But no, he did not. He wasn't part of the Manhattan
1: Project. We needed like a Einstein refresher. Yeah, we did. So this movie was good. We did. This movie was real yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah,
0: like Oppenheimer and Einstein really like i um Oppenheimer's like at, like, the peak of his career, but Einstein's, like, been through what I've been Oppenheimer is about to mm-hmm. go through, and right. they're both these, like, scientific geniuses who the government ultimately, like, turns on and turns their back on, and so I feel like they have that relatability for each other by the end of the movie. They're, like, war buddies
1: Absolutely. that they've gone through their own, like, personal struggles. Absolutely, yeah, and I think, you know, Oppenheimer... He constantly is seeking out either, um, tips from Einstein or like, maybe he just wanted to like pick his brain on something, but that relationship was there. Like he knows I've, this guy's been through mm-hmm. this before. Yeah. So I need to seek him out. Definitely. And, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the visuals and well, actually I want to talk about the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the visuals go along with the timeline too, and how they filmed it in black and white versus color, um, which I fe- like didn't really think about much when I was watching it. But then when I read up on about up on about it, I felt like I love it now, and I that's why I, I want to go back and rewatch it again to see which scenes mm-hmm. are black and white again and which scenes are color. I know. Um, but like one of my biggest I think criticisms when it comes to biopics is like when they are too linear and they try to to fit everything in of like this is when you're born to like death or if you die or whatever um but this didn't do that for me I'm glad that they jumped yeah. around and they like almost like fed you breadcrumbs throughout the movie where
1: yeah it's like
0: here's a little bit of this here's a little bit of that and sometimes it got hard a little hard to follow the back and forth but once you get to the end that's like we said when you're rewarded with like all the storylines coming together
1: Absolutely. No, you're right about that. It's like slowly we're weaving together the story of the trial and we're slowly weaving together his security clearance hearing, you know, and it's like bing, 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 bing. And then we're starting at the beginning with his college years Mm -hmm. and we're going through his love interests and his marriage and then the Manhattan Project. And then then we kind of get plopped in the center of all these back. Track scenes yeah. and yeah, like you said, getting the the reward at the end. And I think uh, I don't know if I knew going into it that the scenes were going to be like okay. that, but a lot of people didn't. And I think it's better to know it ahead of time that the subjective scenes are colored mm. because you know it's like a lot of this is like how it's interpreted through Oppenheimer's eyes. Whereas the black and white scenes are like the more factual, this is how the hearing went and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I Memento is another one of Chris Nolan's films and it's it's also done the mm. same way. Okay. And it's it's good to know those kinds of things ahead of time because it just makes your mind think differently. But I agree with you. I really liked the way it was told and it flowed very well. I mean, there were, my first time I was probably a little bit confused, but like you said, by the time it ends, everything is just summarized yeah. for you and it, the bow is, is done yeah. and it's like, oh, wow. And then you just have, you have to reflect yeah. or get a beer yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you have to like absorb everything. absolutely, And it's just, it's incredible storytelling. Yeah. And. I mean, Chris Nolan adapted the screenplay from the book and, like, he wrote this. Like, the fact that someone's mind can flow this way just blows my yeah, mind. Yeah, to, like, just have incredible. all of these separate, like, lines, yeah. like,
0: floating in the ether, it feels like, and then to have them all, like, yes. coincide at the end. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Great storytelling. Like, how? How? Um, I think it was... I know, how? I think it was really smart, too, that we get started with the security hearing because the whole point of the security hearing is to go through every single detail of Oppenheimer's life. And so like, that's a great story device to be like, here's him talking about this instance. Oh, and then we see it happen back in the day and that's his present. Mm -hmm. I think that was a great way to be able to like talk it through uh, what was happening in the security hearing and then seeing it versus like, you know, yeah. we go from point A to B or point, yeah, point A to B. We're not doing that. We're going from point B to point A, B, like in the middle. And then like, you know, it's like doing a little right. jump around,
1: but I think it worked for sure. I think it did too. I do too. Yeah. And then like that first little part of him in college, it was just so visually pleasing, oh but also yeah. like the, it was the sound was beautiful and it was almost like you could feel like the wheels turning in his head. I think like yeah. it was just so I right. think
0: the way that they conceptually showed how Oppenheimer's mind worked was like haunting and beautiful at the same time. Um And like yeah. that's him and, and it's essentially like visualizing the quantum realm, if you will, and like atoms and molecules and energy waves And the thing that I took away from it was this feels like space. Like I feel like I'm looking into the stars and everything. And when you like really dig into quantum mechanics, it's very related to like black holes and supernovas. And so that like ties together really well. Um, Yeah. Like some of those moments I was just like, woof, and like the sound too and the music with it. Yeah. Just tied together. So, so perfectly. It,
1: It did. It was very
0: powerful. Um, Something you had mentioned in your podcast was the difference between fission and fusion. And I didn't know if you had oh, I yeah. I found the answer, but I didn't know if you had yet. No, okay. I didn't. You found out why he did that? Yeah. And it's back to the black and white oh, and please black share. and white and color scenes, which I think you had maybe a guessed, so you guessed correctly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cause oh, so that I was right then yeah. because fission was on the colored scene and fusion yeah. was on the black and white yes. scene. Yeah, so fission okay. is defined
0: by the splitting or separating of something into two or more parts and based on the article I read it said this highlights how the colored parts of the film um compartmentalized the story of Oppenheimer's like early life and the course of him building the atomic bomb and his hearing so it's all these like separate parts which is what fission is separating. And then fusion okay. is the black and white scenes. It's the opposite of fission. It's the joining of two or more parts together to form a single entity. And so the black and white scenes inform uh, the rivalry between Oppenheimer and Straws. And they take the separate color scenes and fuse them together to inform the black and white scenes. That was their interpretation. Wow. And I feel like that feels right. <laughs> that That feels very
1: accurate yeah. and very just... Because, like, the word was so small at the beginning. And, like, if you hadn't been paying attention, like, if you (laughs) – And then my friend missed the first minute because she was getting popcorn. And so she missed it. She missed that. And so it's like – but it's just such a subtle thing. It's a subtle nod to how he's trying to tell the story. It's just awesome. I knew those words were important. And I was like –
0: I can't Same. I, I did didn't too. know like how yet. <laughs> and so I was like I need to look that up
1: after this movie <laughs> well and when I watched it the first time I was like okay is there gonna be more words on the screen more that's than... what I wondered okay too. so then after yeah so then after there wasn't I was like okay when I go back the second time I'm gonna make sure I pay attention to what and so when I watched it the second time that's when I realized okay vision was the colored scene Infusion was the black and white. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm so
0: glad you looked it yeah, up. Definitely. I was like, I have to know. And so, just in case you you hadn't found it, I was like, I must find this. Yeah, and I googled it. Yeah. yeah, I was glad. Um, the other thing that I think is so crazy too with the visuals that I read was that um, Christopher Nolan didn't use any CGI in this movie. I know. Right? Oh my like, God.
1: How? And I, I read about how how is that even possible? How? I have no idea. I I really don't know. I read a couple things about how he did the the atomic bomb scene. And I just don't even understand how it's possible that you use no CGI. Yeah, they used
0: like a mini bomb. And then it was like made out of gas, propane, black powder, aluminum powder, Uh magnesium flares. And then they used forced perspective to make it look bigger than it actually was. And I'm just like, yeah,
1: what? (laughs) Like what in the actual heck? Like, I mean, but that just makes it even cooler. And what did he say? Chris Nolan said that, like, he felt CGI was safe. Yeah, he did. That he felt like he needed to, like, stretch the bounds a little bit. And honestly, like, had he told no one that, we all would have thought, oh, yeah, that's CGI. You know what I'm saying? Like, it looked... I just can't even, though. I just... just That's insane to me. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't. And so... In line with that, I really enjoyed how they t- showed us all the things that you have to do if you're gonna like be around an atomic bomb oh my going God, off. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, like all the different teams, they were all in different areas too, and they were all like different distances and like some of them had to lay on the mattresses and some of them needed the thing. And some had sunscreen the little, you know, on. Glass. Some had sunscreen on. And I just thought that was awesome. Yeah. And then Killian or Oppenheimer is like behind the threshold or wherever. He's su- somewhat close to it, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, I think like. they're the closest because they're like in an underground yeah.
0: kind of bunker. Yeah. And that one guy like goes out to see it like
1: actually and then he and like, like
0: gets blown backward.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Gosh, that is so cool. That was so cool. Yeah. Oh, and we have to talk about the fact – I'm oh, oh, sorry. No, no. What you are you going to say? I was just going
0: to say we should just talk about the Trinity test scene, but you go first.
1: Okay. Well, I was just going to say like how freaking awesome slash hilarious that Josh Peck is the one who touches the oh my gosh the the the, the buzzer to go off. Like I was like, what are, What are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here? And I was I was like, dude, you're the monumental moment guy. Right. Like you're pressing this. Right. I was like, what what are you doing here? Oh my oh god, god. And how his hand was like that was shaking hilarious, the entire so great. time. I know.
0: And like Oppenheimer He's like, I've lived for this. Yeah. Oppenheimer this was is... like, if it ge- if the dial like gets to this point, like we're shutting it down. Like we're not doing it. And like he was like, he's like, don't look away from this dial this entire time. Um until it goes <sighs> off. Yeah. Like the Trinity Test. I feel like there's a whole lot of there's so many great scenes, but like the Trinity Test is honestly what this whole movie at least, like the first is half kind of is building up to right, around. and it's like yeah. what we as the audience are waiting for. Like we are waiting for this bomb to go off mm-hmm. because we know it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um And I think they did a really good job with the lead up and like even even when it's like the the night of and they have that huge thunderstorm, which like was mm-hmm. a real thing that happened. There was a real thunderstorm. There's like uncertainty if they could even do it, and then right the part for me where i was like wow this this is scary um is that when oppenheimer and uh general groves are sitting together and oppenheimer's like oh by the way no biggie but there's a zero nearly zero percent chance that we could potentially destroy the world if this goes off but uh, it's nearly right. zero it's fine and groves is just like okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> like we're doing yeah. it anyway yeah yeah, and I mean, um, I don't know if you remember it was when they were still like in the workings of, of the the physics behind it, but like one of his other Alamos scientists figured that yes. out that it was like near zero chance. And so he was like, Oh, oh, but and then the guy's like, No, but that's good. Like that's near zero. <laughs> he's like, And then he tells Groves and he's like, near zero? near but it's not zero and that right can you imagine how terrifying that would be like to just know that like you have enough power in your hands to possibly destroy the world yeah. and and we're fixing to find out if our calculations are correct or not yeah oh my god yeah that's wild. yeah that's wild yeah
0: and even like we mentioned like them all preparing for this bomb to go off and they do the countdown, which by this point in the movie, yeah. I'm like holding on to my seat and I'm raising <laughs> myself for the boom of the bomb. Like I'm like this, like mm-hmm. I know it's going to be loud. And there was dead silence. Dead silence. Except for Oppenheimer breathing. I was shocked.
1: I was like. Breathing. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, man. And then I think it doesn't go off just yet but you can like see it and then he, it says now I am become death destroyer of worlds yeah. and then it then you hear it and I literally shook yeah. like I, it was like I was in a scary movie theater I went <gasps> like this and like it was so freaking loud it was so loud because yeah. I, I was like
0: well maybe they're it was I was awesome. like they're not not gonna like have the boom right, right? and then they did and my chair vi- like vibrated and I was just yeah, like, same. oh, crap. Um, yeah, apparently that's how it was in, like, real life. There was this, like, quiet right before the bomb exploded. Oh. Like, from what I read, it was, like, a minute and a half of, like, quiet. And then the bomb it, it made this huge, like, bang noise. And we see, like, the the air, like, just, like, get pushed out from it. Um, right, right. So, yeah. And then the other thing I read that was really eerie, and I don't know if Christopher Nolan intended this to be the case but oppenheimer says i think at one point um, that they'll know if the bomb is successful in an hour and 58 minutes um and apparently this is according to imdb so anybody can put anything on there but this said the bomb goes off in the movie at exactly one hour and 58 minutes (laughs) Oh my gosh! Really? Supposedly, I mean, I don't have a timer
1: to tell if this is we're, accurate. Or we're that, not gonna be able to know that until we got that on screen. I know. Stream. I know. Agreed. That is so interesting. Yeah,
0: that is so interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if that if they didn't plan, I that, wouldn't put
1: it past Chris Nolan to do that. True. I mean, he he would probably do that, right?
0: You would think, but and I'm like, I don't know. With editing, like your movie, do you know? that that's going to happen in an you know hour I mean, and 58 right. minutes i mean maybe you could have a best guess wow but who
1: knows yeah that's insane yeah yeah i that that whole moment and then afterwards when they're celebrating and then um mm-hmm. even the next phase of it where you know it's like oh we we just take it from you like Oh, thanks for your service. Um, uh, Bye. We'll let you, you'll know when something happens. Just, you know, he, he, it's so bad, but like they call him the father of the atomic bomb and he feels like this is his child. Like he's, he's developed, he's trained, he's, you know, created this massive piece of science for our country. And it's like, oh, we'll let you know when things are happening. Yeah. And it's like, they just totally got the shaft, and I hated that. Mm. It was very upsetting to see that. Yeah, you have this, like, massive, terrible weapon that in the
0: wrong hands could do incredible damage. Even in the right hands could do incredible damage. And the only person who seems qualified to know how to handle this kind of equipment is no longer there anymore and it really just feels like when they are driving the trucks out of Los Alamos it's really just like what have we unleashed into the rest of the world because Los Alamos just feels like its own like bubble and yeah I think I think once they take it out of that bubble Oppenheimer's really like oh crap
1: and what did I do and like the guilt is setting Mm -hmm. in you know Um, but also like the guilt is setting in but also he he wants to know if it's successful mm-hmm. it's just this weird emotional shift of like what am i happy for am i happy that it succeeds or am i happy that we did something for our country and we're we're you know the whole thing for him too is like we're doing this before the nazis do it yeah. and you know it's like this whole shift of emotions yeah and they had a like
0: a lot of ethical questions I think I don't know if this was this must have been after the test was successful um because they they were asking themselves like where do we drop this bomb and by this point in the movie like Germany was essentially not part of World War 2 anymore Hitler had um committed suicide but this by this point and only it was really only Japan that was part of it. And so I think the idea was like, do we wait them out? Because ultimately like it's only Japan or do we move forward with sending a message? And so they do. And they're going through and choosing which like Japanese cities they're going to end up bombing. Seems. I think that for me was a crazy scene when um, I can't remember his name. I'm looking at my notes really quick. Yeah. Um, when, the general- yeah, Harry Stimson, he's the uh, Secretary of War. He, like, crosses off um Kyoto from the list of cities. And he says, like, not because they have, like, cultural significance. And then he adds, because me and my wife honeymooned there. And that just felt yeah. so incredibly gross to me. Like, in the oh, movie. It did. And everyone else in the, it seemed like in that room was like, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: It was. It was very, like... Are you empathetic at all to this? Because I don't think you really are. Mm-hmm. Like it was very, I don't know. It was a, I don't know the right word of like. I no, I, I absolutely made the same face when you yeah. said that, and that was so. I also
0: had learned that this was like technically a like a fabricated thing. Um, it actually the actor who played that war, um, secretary of war made up that line, like, ad-libbed that line on the spot, and they decided to keep it in there. Um, um, because technically, I guess, he had done research... He had done research that um, Henry Stinson had taken, like, trips there. Um, and so, like, that was just added as a line of impro- improvisation um, from from the actor. But, like, the, the guy did travel there. So, like, the, who knows if that actually happened. But um, it right, was still, like, right. a crazy scene and and it was definitely something that i feel like sets the seeds for us doubting like should we even be doing this
1: anymore right right and you know was the war kind of already getting won at that point mm-hmm. you know i don't know it was just it, yeah just creepy yeah for sure
0: um was there okay so i i got we could like go ahead and talk about the whole like aftermath, but I wanted to see if you had anything else like pre Trinity test
1: that you wanted to talk about as far as scenes go. The only thing that I think is, is such an interesting take is that we haven't mentioned is Jean's death. Mm, Yeah. And the whole, it looks like there's a black gloved hand that's pushing her down. I did a little bit more information or read a little bit more about it. And she, it, it really was never ruled one way or the other from what I could read. Mm. Um, like there was definite talk that like the government had her killed because of her communist involvement. But like there really, she did write a note. Everything I read didn't say anything about had she signed it or not. But she did write a note. Like, she left an extensive note for Oppenheimer. And I don't know. I think it's such an interesting thing to put in a film. And it kind of, it kind of, like, showed both aspects. Like, you think that she gets in herself and and has her head dunked in herself. And then the next scene, it's like, you see a hand. So you're like, so I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. And it's just, it's just... It was a creepy scene, for sure. It was definitely one of those. I think. Oh, sorry.
0: Keep go ahead.
1: Well, no, I just I think her death was like extremely impactful to him, and I think, I don't know, uh, it's just crazy. Yeah. No, her death
0: was before the Trinity test, right? I'm Okay. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because he goes to visit visit her, Mm -hmm. and yeah, the thing that like when I saw it the first time, I didn't think. that she had been killed like i missed i missed it um seeing that like it could have potentially been that somebody from the government was doing it to her um but i think they did a pretty good job of like you said making it seem like it could be either or because we ultimately like don't Mm -hmm. know at the end of the day because like there was a part where you see a let the letter that she wrote but then like toward the end it got very like scribble 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 and you don't yeah. know if like is that because I don't know if you remember if they said she had drugs in her system, um, or if she took Barbage Yeah, so you don't know if like that's because yeah. of the drugs like getting into her system, mm-hmm. or if it's like maybe somebody grabbed her. Like, um, the right. scene, like the clips of it, are so fast and brief yes. that you really can't tell,
1: um, what is going on. No, you can't. And I think I think that was probably, like, on purpose because there is no, like, definite answer. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know what Oppenheimer thinks, like, or thought. Yeah. Agreed. Because I do think she was mentally unstable. Like, that's why he went to visit her yeah. because she called him. So, I mean, it, you know, I think both. But also, they knew that he was meeting with right. her. So it's a both likelihoods or both options are possible, right? And it's just crazy that we won't ever know. Yeah. And I hate that. But agreed. Um. Yeah. No. That's the only other thing I wanted to talk.
0: Yeah. About. I'm glad okay. you brought that up because I I remembered reading that and um I forgot to put in my notes, but yeah, that was definitely something. Yeah. That I'm interested to like go back and see and see if like my. Opinion changes or if I feel like one way versus the other once I rewatch it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. It is so quick that, you know, if you had turned your eyes one second, you would miss that gloved hand yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, so like after
0: the Trinity test, this is where we kind of get like brought back almost to like the beginning of the movie, like we mentioned uh, with everything mm-hmm. going on with the security hearing and like there's there's like things that they show you in the movie that lead into like why we're actually having this hearing to begin with and they like talked about it a little Mm -hmm. bit at the beginning but then you like get it again in these moments and um, it's really just about Oppenheimer feeling conflicted about what he did even though like he's been thrust into this limelight of the father of the atom bomb and savior mm-hmm. and all of this stuff um, but he has like seeds of doubt like when he goes to see President Truman and yeah. that scene was another like terrible one gut puncher yeah, for sure when when Oppenheimer tells the president that he feels like he has blood on his hands and then all I'm gonna just going to call him Gary Oldman but all, all
1: Gary Oldman does <laughs>
0: is like give him his handkerchief his handkerchief that's it and I was just like Wow, you suck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was such a smug thing to do. And then he he says after that, it's like, you know, there is a pause. And he says, like, you're not the one who dropped those bombs. I'm the one who dropped the bombs. The blood is on my hands. And I did read into that. And apparently he did say that. I saw that. To Oppenheimer. And he also did make a comment about, don't let that crybaby back in here. Which I think... Mm. That really just ticked me off. Same. I don't know. I was just like, this man feels so guilty and you have no empathy. Nobody. It just made me so mad. Nobody has empathy or
0: compassion. Like. No. Nobody cares about feelings in this day and age. I mean, yeah, it's. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I feel like it's just a mindset of the time. Not that that makes it any better or right or anything. But it's kind of just like, well, this is what happened. And move mm-hmm. on, like, move on with your life. Um, But yeah. Oppenheimer doesn't, and he, like, starts to be very vocal about, you know, speaking out mm-hmm. publicly against the dangers of atomic warfare. Um, and not just that, but the hydrogen bomb, which was, like, a whole other yeah. storyline that I didn't even... Yeah, it, yeah. I didn't even really, like, realize how much the hydrogen bomb was a point of conversation in the atomic bomb creation and mm-hmm. how, like, Oppenheimer really opposed it because the hydrogen bomb. The power yeah, of Well, it. first of all, Oppenheimer yeah. was like, I don't even think that's, like, possible. <laughs> um, and then they're like, no, it is. And Oppenheimer's like, well, we still shouldn't do it. Just because we can doesn't mean we should.
1: Right. And Teller was one of the mm. guys on the Los Alamos team. And he kind of created it or spearheaded that. Yeah. Um, But exactly, it's, like, just because we have the capabilities doesn't mean that's what we should do. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Like, look at how destructive the atomic bomb is. And and after that, you know, we get the whole, the scene where he's, I think, talking to a lot of people at Los Alamos, but he's, like, talking about how, like, we got to him first, and, oh, Mm -hmm. well, they're not going to get us now. And then he starts seeing, like, visions Mm. of, like, these people that have been affected by the atomic bombs and you know, the next he's like almost steps on a body that he does unburned. like steps and, in a dead yeah, he steps, body. Oh and... yeah. He puts his shoe in yeah. it. Yeah. You're and right. Then
0: the, and it's, it's very the like scientists are like puking
1: outside. Cause they're so like yes. disturbed by what they did up yeah. over it. It's just, it's really, it just keeps. And then like getting that little tidbit of information, like, the people who survived the bomb, who climbed out of their house and they lived through it, they died weeks, months later yeah. from side effects. And it's just like, this is never ending for him. Like, he's in this constant state of hell. Like, what did I do, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It was hard. It was hard seeing that. Yeah. They talk about, and, like, yeah. how, like, some if someone was wearing
0: a striped shirt, like, the stripes were, like, imprinted yes. on their body from the blast. I mean... Yeah, that that was rough. I mean, it's almost like and like I don't mean to go like get, throw a Jurassic Park reference in this, but I feel like it's <laughs> what comes to mind right off the bat. But like Jeff Goldblum <laughs> says like your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should.
1: And I feel like if they that should. just like yeah. is
0: like so fitting.
1: So it is so fitting. But see what what And I think this ties into the whole moral, like ethical dilemma of the whole film is like, he was sought after to do this. He did not vouch himself. He didn't throw himself at this project. They found him. They said, we want this. We want you to make it. And it's like, and then they're the ones that turn on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like, you know, of course. He might have come up with this anyway, but like he, to use it for warfare, that he was sought after for that. And it's just, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, you're so right. That that ties in really good. And that ties in. I real think good. it like
0: the movie in general like does a really good job of showing you how easily science can be manipulated and turned into a destructive force. And like when we think of science, we think of it as this opportunity to explore, to learn more about our world, to educate mm-hmm. ourselves. But it can very easily turn into a path to destruction and a path to violence and I feel like the movie does address that like ethical dilemma and that conversation around you know how far can you go really for science and like at what point does it become destructive and I think we see that even now like I think about AI and all of the AI conversations Mm -hmm. that are happening AI may have started out as like a very like exploratory thing but who knows i mean hopefully fingers crossed like nothing bad happens but it's still the same
1: kind of thing i feel like it's the same concept yeah. it's the exact same concept i mean just think about going to new york and seeing all those automatic little buggies oh dropping off packages yeah. and stuff like what is that like and 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 it's it's like it's we're evolving there's going to there's always going to be new things and like it's terrifying and yeah it sucks like and that's why this yeah go ahead that's why this film is so relevant Mm -hmm. even to this day and it still resonates yeah yeah it feels like humans
0: ourselves like have such a capability for scientific exploration but then we also have such a huge capability for destruction and it's like uh, you really like it's like sometimes it tips over into the destructive side a little bit more than we'd yeah. like and we see like how it unfolds with the creation of the atomic bomb unfortunately yeah um, yeah but yeah the other thing too with like the um aftermath of the bomb is that we see lewis Strauss and the oppenheimer battle like really take off and mm-hmm. like why that is which yeah. they had peppered in in the beginning about like like why louis strauss has such a beef with <laughs> with oppenheimer um yeah. because and there are like a few things that happened so like one i guess uh strauss was really butthurt hurt that oppenheimer insulted his isotopes um and two publicly yeah publicly yeah. and the other thing is the the einstein and oppenheimer meeting by the pond when and strauss we find out mm-hmm. thinks that oppenheimer was talking poorly about him to Einstein about Strauss. which is yeah was when I heard that I was like dude they're not talking about you they're talking about something else like terrible like like you're conceited like you're conceited
1: yes. Yes. yeah you're not even in that this conversation at all yes. yeah well and then he sees Einstein walking away kind of like solemn you know solemn and and he just. He it's it's kind of like atonement. Like you think you know what you see, but you really don't. And you have led all these assumptions about him standing on one of those pegs. Like you're putting all of this stock into something that's not even true. And yeah. And I feel like I read that Straw like in real life,
0: Straws was not someone who liked to be like Diminished or like made fun of, and if you did, like he, if you did that to him, like he would put you on his bad list. And so, I think all of those things like feed into his resentment for Oppenheimer. And yeah. the one thing I wanted to ask you, because I, I, like I said, only saw this movie once the thing with the isotopes, um, and Oppenheimer purposely like making fun of it, I feel like was on purpose because I thought I remember. Uh, Oppenheimer saying he didn't want the iso- Something with the isotopes he was like that shouldn't Move forward so I'm gonna like nip it in the Bud um, but maybe I'm like Totally making that up I can't remember
1: Oh I don't Know I don't know That exact okay. I-, I don't know I just remember the Like tr- like Hearing that they were at yeah and That's where he was making all those jokes about A dog and a Tree and all those things yeah. like he was Poking at it um, they, but I, I don't remember that but that's not to say it's not true yeah i only remember like
0: when you see the i guess the color version which is oppenheimer's perspective on it because he turns to the guy next to him and he was like did was that too much and the guy was like yeah a little or something like and i i'm just like i can't yeah. remember if it was intentional to try to stop the movement of isotopes for i don't know but i could t- also I need to do a rewatch and and figure that out. So, so I'll just put a little asterisk. Well, next on that. time I watch it, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch yeah, tell that me, scene a lot closer. Tell me when you go see it a third time, <laughs> and tell me if I was like yeah. right or if I totally just like fabricated. I'll that. pay more attention yeah. for that. Yeah, um, I, I will. But yeah, then then this is like why we kind of have the security clearance hearing, which you don't even realize till like late. I can't remember when you realize it was Strauss. I think it's not till like almost the very end. But Strauss, Strauss, however you say it, um, essentially, like, provides William Borden uh, with this FBI file on Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. And then that leads Borden to write a letter saying Oppenheimer is a Soviet spy. And then that's when Strauss says, hey, because of this letter, your top security clearance is being revoked. Hence the hearing for Oppenheimer to try to fight against it
1: yeah and you know the whole time Strauss like all of Strauss's teams are like well how did he get the fbi documents and he's like i don't know i mean probably how anybody else gets it it's like you're the one who gave it to him and then when he gets the letter saying oh you've been served with this hearing Strauss just acts like he has no idea like he's such a two-faced like Absolutely. absolutely yeah I- um and then he like hand selects this oh, yeah. hearing panel that none of them like him like they're it. like he was oppenheimer was doomed to fail yeah. you know walking in he knew oppenheimer would appeal it and he knew that he was setting oppenheimer up to go in there and talk about why he doesn't deserved to have it revoked, and then he knew that it was going to get denied, and it's just he was doing it for Oppenheimer to be embarrassed. Yes, ac- absolutely, it's just
0: awful. I mean, awful. some of these were like the, the most like painful things to watch um during these like yeah. security during the security hearing, and like Roger Robb especially was just like god awful. I mean, like kudos to to awful. Jason Clark who played him. He played him so yeah. well, but. God he was an
1: asshole. God he was such a dick. <laughs> Man was. I was like I was like, you're just you're literally like pulling at feathers that are so insignificant. Like he just Oh, he's such a like oh gosh. You, smug smug Like bastard. do you not have any joy
0: and nobody has any empathy. Like that's what I've learned. Nobody no. has empathy. No. Uh in this movie. Like the like they bring up um obviously like the communist stuff comes up a lot in these discussions but they bring up Oppenheimer's friend um was it Chevalier Chevalier? yeah and like that was the scene with Casey Affleck um Mm -hmm. that point in time and Oppenheimer like had to account for his defense of Chevalier by saying like I was an idiot and like that's not a great thing to have on the record um, right but then they like then they talk about the the affair he had with gene and like mm-hmm. he they like pan the camera um but there's like a man sitting and they pan behind the man and then on the next part like oppenheimer's naked and then gene's like having sex on top of him and she's staring at kitty it's like all being a man imagined obviously but Right. Like, oh, like that's how he felt. It
1: it was being exposed. Right. That being exposed. And yeah, I mean, Kitty's face and just because she learned that like he actually went to go see her. And oh, yeah. I mean, it was such a, at first when you're watching it, you're like, whoa. But then afterwards, you're like, wow, that's, that's what it feels like to just have your whole life on display and in front of your wife yeah no less and you know yeah like kitty we had
0: seen like he had said that he had been with Jean, like and that's when he found out also that she had committed suicide and kitty was like all right well you gotta like get up you gotta get up and get it together and then like to have it but i think to have it rehashed publicly in this room and like have everybody know about it It was not something that kitty was prepared for and she was just humiliated alongside him
1: for sure yeah that that trial scene and and just the documents that the hearing panel had that they didn't let the lawyer have and then they're like this isn't a court of law and i'm like well then you're totally breaking the rules like you shouldn't be pulling out this document yeah That totally disgraces Oppenheimer. Like, I mean, if this isn't a court of law, then why are you bringing out documents that no one was able to view beforehand? I don't know. It was just, you could tell that it was like a puppet master was just telling them what to do. And And they set it up this way so that they
0: could control everything and all the information and leave Oppenheimer and Kitty and his lawyer like totally blindsided to everything that they had. Yeah. And it, you can see how easily like all of his scientist friends, except for um, what's his name? I'm saying, Bernard from uh, the Santa Claus. Uh, except for him, he was like one of the only people yes, who like was... did not turn against Oppenheimer. Um, Matt Damon also uh, was, you know, even though like. They asked to that asked him that shady question where it was like under these like standards would you new rules. new rules would you make would you bring him on board and he's like, no, but and he tries to like explain himself and they're like nope that's all I I just yeah
1: yeah he said I wouldn't have done any of those guys I would't yeah. have cleared any of yeah. those guys yeah. yeah yeah but they they had gotten out from him what they wanted mm-hmm. but Oppenheimer and him shared a moment after that and he was just like yeah it's okay you know Mm -hmm. he understood I don't know kitty yeah kitty was like
0: cross off Uh -uh. cross off with teller with teller when she did not shake his hand at the uh end I was like yes that would be me I would be such that that (laughs) I would be such that um petty bitch that I'd be like nope oh
1: absolutely I don't care her face when she saw him and she's like, I ain't shaking your hand. If you think I'm going to shake your hand right now, you're crazy. that happened. Like, that was real. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah, I heard that that was real. Yeah, Yeah. I did too. Uh, Yeah, so then,
0: like, they ultimately vote, like, two to one not to reinstate his security clearance Mm -hmm. and, and the whole, like, importance of him having his security clearance is so that he can still be on the loop on these like, really important things that are happening with the atomic bomb, with the hydrogen bomb and all of this is just like completely stripped from him. So he has
1: no say in anything going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of didn't realize the whole impact Mm -hmm. of what that actually meant at first. Um, But yeah, it's, it's his, basically his identity as a physicist. Right. I mean, and his role with the government and his role to have like, as the, yeah. To have a seat at like
0: the table to have a say yeah yeah yeah, for sure um but you know at least strauss got what he deserved too in the end like or not to but he did what 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 he deserved individually um because like that's the other thing going on in this whole movie is that strauss is trying to get his cabinet nomination um i think it was secretary i want to say i can't remember what it
1: was I can't specifically. Either. I just remember cabinet Ca- yeah to be a part of the cabinet.
0: Yeah. Um and all of it comes all of like what we just talked about comes to light. Like, thanks to David Hill, the the Rami Malik. I know. And yeah. And Strauss loses his confirmation. And I was like, how did David Hill know all this? Um was it Oppenheimer who told him? Was it but but was also was it one of um Strauss's
1: like Aids like the people like well informing him at in the end the because they they slowly started catching on to his lies yeah. you know and I don't know the answer to that but I, I it could be a mixture of both and also if you if you think about it if you remember David Hill he's always showing up and he's like watching everything yeah. and he was always writing stuff down so like I wouldn't be surprised if he just put pieces together knew everything like just was. But I, I don't know the answer to that wholeheartedly. But those people most closest to to Strauss was was snuffing him out real quick. I mean, and at at the end they were like you could tell they had turned. They were just yeah. over him. Th- they were over yeah. him. I think they were upset because they were like you're
0: not you haven't been honest with us about and you're going right. you're doing all of this shady shit and not keeping and like making us think that we're informing you but really like you know everything already so you've you've orchestrated this whole
1: thing this whole thing yeah yeah Yep. and his little temper tantrum his little tantrum (laughs) his little pity party (laughs) like he just starts going and he starts pointing his finger and i'm just like you got found out you got found out I tell, you know? I tell
0: you what, though, that's going to be the clip that they play at his Oscar nomination. <laughs> it's him doing yeah. that because that. Yeah, you're so He true. did such a good job of making me despise <laughs> he did.
1: him. Like, I wanted him I like, to get his come up in. Same. Same. I was like, dude, mm-mm. take it somewhere yeah, else. Not listening. today. Not Done today. I don't know. And I love the little tidbit where John F. Kennedy's name is yes. thrown in there that they it, he was part of the he was the one of the three yeah. that voted no yeah they're like you know just that was cool and,
0: i don't know if they said it an up and coming but they are like and just like a new kid on the block jake jake uh i was yeah. gonna say jk rowling i meant jfk <laughs> <laughs> jk rowling what are you doing here that would have been a twist <laughs> <laughs>
1: That would have been a big twist. What are you doing in this field? Oh is the
0: God. Inspiration for Harry Potter. Okay, it's been it's been confirmed here. You heard it here first. <laughs> no. uh.
1: That is so funny. But yeah, that was so that was a cool little Easter egg. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I mean, I think shortly after that is when we learn the finality of the, of everything. And we see that how that scene actually went down and like the music kind of stops. We see Oppenheimer approaching Einstein and he starts telling him, you know, I, I, I did quote the end of this. He said something along the lines of, um, one day it's or it's your turn now to deal with the consequences of your achievements One day they'll give you medals and shake your hand but just remember it won't be for you it'll be for them yeah. and that's when we kind of see the scenes of like Oppenheimer when he's a little older mm-hmm. and Kitty's older and yeah he they, it literally happens exactly the way Einstein says absolutely and and
0: I was so like I was kind of waiting for the end because I was like They've got to tell us what what Oppenheimer said to Einstein, right? Like, we can't end this movie without finding this out. And, of course, it's the last scene. And I believe it's the first time we're seeing it in color because all the other ones have been in black and white and from Strauss's perspective. Um, So we see it in color finally. So we know, like, we're going to get to find out what Oppenheimer um, said to Einstein and Einstein back to him. And then, like, yeah, as Einstein is walking away and it's cool because you can see straws like coming forward yeah at that you moment. can you can um, and um oppenheimer asks einstein he's like do you remember that time when i asked if a like chain reaction from the bombs might destroy the world and einstein's like yeah and oppenheimer's like i believe we did and that's when you see all these visuals of like the all of the bombs like going up into the sky and like all of the destruction that Oppenheimer like sees ha- happening in his mind that could potentially happen, and that's when Einstein's like, "Oh fuck!" and that's why his face <laughs> looks like that when he walks away. Yeah, um, he's like, "Oh yeah, it, we've done it. Yeah, we did it. We've done yeah. it." Yeah, and that's when that's that's the last thing you see, and that's why I, at the end of the movie, I was like, "Oh no." <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and and you're just left with you know oppenheimer's just blank expression um, of just like what have i done Mm -hmm. you know and it's impactful it's 100 impactful and it's it's such a great ending but it's also like just horrifying and haunting it's a it sits with you It it sits it does it just stays with you and it's something that like being a, fi- a film lover like it you'll think about it often mm-hmm. and i think chris nolan de- delivers with that almost every time yeah. i mean even to this day we all ask questions about like the the top spinning in inception like mm-hmm. you know it, the ends of his films just just stay with mm-hmm. you and you do. They're, they're 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 powerful for sure yeah
0: even inception like like
1: when they spin the the top yeah in that. the top yeah i mean that that's the whole point is like we don't know <laughs> that's what's so hard we could just sit and talk about it for hours you know and mm-hmm. and that's that's what this movie is supposed to make you do it's yeah. supposed to make you reflect and even though it was a biopic and this it was his life we're supposed to be left with this you know sense of you know making rationalizations of of everything that has come since mm-hmm. yeah he created this bomb it, and just yeah
0: i mean i think it's a biopic but it's also like such a commentary on we as yeah. like, like human civilization and uh, and government and yes and like like science versus destruction and like all the things that we just talked about so it's so much it feels like so much more than a than a biopic
1: absolutely yeah it, it is. Yeah. It's 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 wild. Oh, it's so good,
0: so good, so good. So, did we go into our segments now? Um, yeah. Starting with da flick Did you have any deflicks that came up when you were watching?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I was reading through it when you sent it, and I was trying to think of just what I would choose. Yeah. You go first, because okay. I want to know yours. So, that I was
0: like, there's like. I really like, didn't think of any when I was watching the movie, to be honest. I had to think about mm-hmm. them after the fact. And so I was like, I'm going to use DeFlick, and I don't typically do this. So I use the De DeFlick as maybe like some criticisms I had of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I just have – so I just have one DeFlick. Not to say I only have one criticism. But um, one thing I think that I did remember asking myself when I was watching the movie is why DeFlick didn't they show – the aftermath of the bomb like what the bomb actually ended up doing to like the land or um, in in Japan and I felt like that was strange like I think I was just envisioning that like we would ultimately see like the smoke clear and like maybe it was something Oppenheimer envisions in his in his mind Um, but like we don't we don't see the bombs dropping in Japan either Um, and that's how like it's like through Oppenheimer's perspective, where he's hearing it on the radio for the yeah. first time, so I get that. Um, but I feel like there was a chance to like actually show the devastation of the destruction and in-, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and not just that, but like even the Trinity test had such a like fallout around the land and the people who lived in, and then na- their Native American people who lived there. Um, so, like, I understand, like, it's a biopic and it's about Oppenheimer. Um, but I feel like that was just something that was missing from from this a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And honestly, I, I after we saw the Trinity test and it was successful, I thought we would get to see yeah. the bomb getting dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that was shocking. And I agree with that. I wonder if it is partly to what you're saying is it's a biopic Mm -hmm. it's through oppenheimer's experience or if it also alludes to the fact that like i mean this was a three-hour movie if he just couldn't condense it Mm -hmm. enough but i agree that would have been really really beneficial i I think think if
0: if we couldn't have that the scene where they're showing the that Oppenheimer's seeing all the images from Japan like I wondered uh-huh. like why we weren't seeing it and almost felt like we were being protected from it and I was like no like part of me kind of I know like it's tough to see but but it, I think it it's important you know helpful. to actually see and like yeah like Oppenheimer envisions those people getting um, blasted when he's giving his speech at the rally but it's still like not it's not exactly In Japan so like Portrayals of what happened So like those little things I feel like would have maybe Been better to have in it
1: Yeah I agree I agree It would have added a different element to the story Mm -hmm. And it would have To just see like what it did
0: Versus because we know obviously what it did But I think it's important to also have that in the movie Like yeah we get to see the bomb And the bomb go off But what happened after like how did it
1: look Right. Right Yeah I agree with you I agree with you. That would have been good. I guess one of the things that, and I I don't know if you picked up on it, so I guess I, knowing what I know is why one of, I, I wanted to see, or why to flick, didn't we see more of his relationship with Ruth and we're told about it several times at the, or a few times at the end. Did you catch that, that that was a thing that he was actually having an affair oh, I was like, Ruthie. who's Ruth? And now I remember. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. at the end, we see little moments of them where they're like leaned up against the the side of the wall together or whatever. But at the end, he's like, uh, Ruth's husband wouldn't come to the trial because he thinks that y'all have been having an affair this whole time. and And Oppenheimer was like there's no way he knows that like we've been having an affair and in the book, apparently like their relationship was really significant. Like, like he was like, like he loved Ruth, Jean and Kitty all very much. Like they were all significant loves in his life. And so I wondered why if we got so much of Jean, why didn't Mm. we get enough of, of Ruthie? Um, but yeah, that's one thing I wanted to know. But yeah. I mean, it's very I, s- small. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, can't think of any other yeah, words. Yeah, I think that's fair
0: and I think that was such a like quick moment. Um uh, and I feel like I remember reading about that in my research and then again, like it was so quick mm-hmm. that I forgot about it. Um but yeah. yeah, like that that moment, it's like a blink and you missed it, miss it kind of deal.
1: Yeah. It is, yeah. Oh Oppenheimer, but I know he was a ladies' man. He just wanted, he just
0: needed to be in a a polyamorous relationship. (laughs) He seriously (laughs) did.
1: In his mind, he kind of was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they consented in on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there's rumors like there's. It's said that he he like slept with other women too, Mm -hmm. like a lot. But that those three women were his like loves yeah. in his gotcha. life. Hmm. And a lot of them overlapped.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but say Um Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um the other Y deflect that I had that I was like for me at least in the beginning, I was like, wait, what? Um was what deflect was up with the poison apple? In the very beginning of the movie, and so I did like some. Yeah. I did find out some articles about this, and I think this is like a big point of contention about whether or not it actually happened. I
1: I just read that. Yeah. Too.
0: So like, mm-hmm. um, for well, for one, it did not involve Neil's bore like at all. So that part was like added into the movie. Um, but apparently, it's like taken out of American Prometheus, and some yes. say it did happen. Um, and like Oppenheimer's father convinced them not to press charges. And then Oppenheimer was, was put on probation, but then Oppenheimer's grandson came out recently and said that it's an unsubstantiated rumor and the claim wasn't verified by the authors. So no one really knows, but I just remember, I remembered watching that and being like, we're just going to skip over that fact and like keep moving on, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did. I read that. And I mean, I don't really know why he did it in the film other than to exert a power over that teacher. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why he was going that route, Um, but he obviously changed his mind. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know why that was thrown in there. I don't think it added anything to the story. Mm He mentions it later in the film. He's like, yeah, I almost killed my teacher one time. Oh, yeah. Or poisoned my teacher one time. But it's like, what did that really give us? Nothing. So why why the flick was it even in right. there? Agreed.
0: Yeah. And like, Honestly. I think like I had read his time at that school, like wasn't great. And he went through a lot of like, I think mental health issues. Um, mm-hmm. But and I don't think like his. Oppenheimer's grandson had said like I'm not Mad that it's in the movie because the movie's based on This biography I think The thing that he was getting out is that He was mad that it was in the biography to begin With um so Yeah I I think it doesn't Like to me it didn't like Add Anything to like Oppenheimer's character Other because like he never felt like that Way again in the rest of the movie So yeah I think it was just a a bit Off for me
1: Yeah I agree too I agree
0: with you. Oh, well, we should go to Dick of the Flick because I feel like this is a list. Like when we did Atonement, we were basically <laughs> like there's two and we had a big debate. And I feel like yeah. honestly, everybody could on this list could probably be the Dick of the Flick um, if we wanted to. But yeah. yeah, there's there's a we could rank. Them. Yeah, we could. <laughs> um, Louis Strauss, obviously, like be Strauss is number yeah, one. Mastermind number one. I think Roger Robb might be. Two, yeah. I was okay. gonna say he's my okay. two, cool, yeah, on, he's my on two. The same
1: line. um, um, I think three would maybe be teller, okay, yeah, the one who kind of like acted like his friend the whole time with regarding mm-hmm. the hydrogen bomb, yeah. but then totally like slandered him in the hearing. Mm-hmm. I could yeah, and then, um, the fourth one being the guy that like wrote the, oh Borden, the letter, yeah, yeah Borden. Yeah, same. I had him on my list. I had Teller. I had
0: President Truman. Um, oh.
1: <laughs> he's he's the Dick clip of the movie. Yeah. That that clip that scene earned him like honorable mention of of like Dick. I just can't episode. imagine yeah.
0: like Christopher Awful. Nolan
1: going up to Gary Oldman and being like, "Yo,
0: I've got this." like less than five minute scene that I want you to be in put all of this makeup on and act like a complete dick and Gary Oldman's like
1: I'm sold (laughs) sign (laughs) me up I'm ready. <laughs> Put me in, Coach. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, um. He probably did exactly that uh, yeah, too. <laughs>
0: I'm sure. When, when and where when Christopher Chris, when Nolan where? calls you, answer. I mean, oh, that's yeah, how it absolutely. goes. Absolutely. Um. I also had Harry Stimson, Secretary of War, who made the comment about honeymooning in Japan. Oh yeah, that was not cool. Um, Colonel Boris Pash. That is who Casey Affleck plays. Um. His scene, oh, yeah. which was also very quick, but like his, I don't know if he's a dick of the flick. He's just like the the scariest person maybe of the flick because that dude, yeah. they say he's like killed communists with his bare hands. I was going to say like Groves says some scary stuff yeah, about Yeah, he's him. like, you don't fuck so, with that guy whatsoever. No. Um so, yeah. And then, like, I also had, like, the American government in general um, on, on yeah. this list. And I think, like, to some degree, you could possibly not hit that he's the dick of the flick, but you could put Oppenheimer on this list. Like, just some of the things that he does isn't great. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, like, yeah, it's Lewis
1: Straws who is the king of the dicks here. He's, he's the he's absolutely the the main guy, mm-hmm. the antagonist. Yes. Of the main sure, one. For sure. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, well, then our last segment is how many flicks do we give? Um, I haven't checked these numbers most recently, and I'm actually going to do a quick uh, Google search because I feel like this is still like a very new movie. And this, um, these numbers, I feel like change like every single day, but for context, um, let me pull up my list. Um, On IMDb, it has an 8.7 out of 10, I believe. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, let's see if it's still the same. Um, It is. It's a 93% from critics and a 91% from audiences. So definitely fresh across the board. Uh, No surprises there. Jessica, where do you rank Oppenheimer?
1: And we're doing one to five, right? Yes,
0: and you can do decimal points. And then five's
1: the best. I mean, to me, like, I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's perfect. Like, I don't know what I would change other than those little things that are so minute. Um, I gave it a five on Letterboxd and yeah, I stick with that. I think it, the, the sound design, the score, the cinematography, the cast, the acting, and then obviously like the direction. I, it's everything I want from a film. Like it's, it's perfect. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I, I was like, so I knew she's gonna give it a five. Like I, I know am. that. I, I was am. like, she you know what, and Darn like
0: <laughs> I totally can understand. Like this movie is one of those that definitely stays with you, even after you watch it um I do want to watch it again I don't know if I'll get to see it in theaters again um but I also am like I feel like I need some time <laughs> to come back to this movie just yeah. because it does leave that lasting impression with you um and I but I think it's necessary because like I really want to go back and see it w- knowing everything I know with like all the timelines and being like I know how yeah. this is portrayed in this from this perspective versus that perspective um but yeah, like generally speaking, I think it's it's an incredible film. I think the cast, like everybody, even like the small roles, like Gary Oldman, who's only in there for like five yeah. seconds, like everyone brought brought their A game. And Killian Murphy Absolutely. and Robert Downey Jr. are like I hope set up for Oscar nominations this year. Same, um, same. They should be. Um, and same, yeah, like i I really like how they told the story. I like that it's not just a biopic, it feels like so much more. It's really like sparked all of these different conversations around ethics and science and war and um just we as a human people, and then, yeah, like the the things that we talked about already, like some of the criticisms I had were just like some things that I came away with, wishing there was a little bit more with like what the bomb ended up looking like um I think and I read this too um one one thing I do remember like um thinking when I was in the movie theaters was like the sound is so loud that sometimes I feel like I couldn't quite hear what people were saying or like like Someone would say something important and like right as they said that important thing, the sound would like spike, and I was like, wait, what did they say? And like I I read that Christopher Nolan does not like to re-record um his actors. So like yeah. that's a choice, and I totally get it. I think it's still fine. I think the sound like just adds to like the ominous and power of like what we're about to witness. So ultimately, I think I'm gonna give it like a a 4.7 out of 5 for now. Like, that's where I feel like I land. Yeah, It could change upon a rewatch, and I could give it a, a higher score, but I think right now I'm like, I'm on like a 4.7 out of 5.
1: Yeah. Did you see it in IMAX? No,
0: I saw it in a regular theater, but I know... You- Did you see, like, surround sound? Um, I'm not sure, because the theater that we went to, um, it, like, has a dedicated... They call it the X theater and it's like really like immersive. I still think it was surround sound where I went. It just wasn't like as much as like an mm. X
1: theater or an um, IMAX theater. Yeah, I went, my second viewing, it was just a regular stadium, just, you know, theater. I could hear them on the big loud uh, sound moments. I could hear the, the actors okay. better in that. So I think it would be better at your house. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was, it was louder because of like the viewing purposes, but I do agree with you. There were moments like that, but my second time I could hear it better. Mm. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was the theater, but I agree. And like, like you said, I'm just a giver. If I love a film, I literally just give it a five. I loved it so much, but yeah. I mean, you're going to see I mean, it, it three so times good.
0: like you definitely love it. And there's so much I, I feel do. like to get out of this movie where like you go in multiple times. It's one of those movies where you watch it multiple times and you come away with something different each time. Different yeah. every time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> For sure. Well, that was Oppenheimer. I can't believe we did it. <sighs> so it's good. like I'm like, can we talk about everything that we possibly want to in this like, you know, whatever like 90 minute time frame that we give ourselves but we did it and it's hard
1: it's hard to talk about everything but we hit the high point for sure and i'm so
0: glad that you came back to talk about this movie i feel like um you know with with not just that we talk about world war ii movies all the time but like you're just so i feel like you were so passionate about this movie like it made me hype to like go see this movie yeah so yeah, yeah.
1: i think we literally discussed this back in like february we, did. we were, we're like, like maybe maybe we should do oppenheimer And then it just like worked out <laughs> but yeah yeah i'm so glad i got to and thank you for inviting me back i'll have to get you on with me at some point absolutely um can you let the
0: listeners know about more about your podcast and where they can find you
1: yeah, I'm anywhere you can get your podcasts at. Get your binge on. I now this year I've incorporated more films into my. It's not just into my podcast. Not it's not just TV shows. I do. I've done a few documentaries. Nice. Um, yes, so my next showcase will be for Heartstopper on Netflix. I recently binged it and it was so good and we're going on vacation. And then when we come back, I'm going to record it and that'll be my next episode. So.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and then I'm on Instagram yes. too. At get your bench yes, on.
0: Definitely. So. Give Jessica a follow, uh, follow, I'll follow her on Instagram, check out her podcast. I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. And I'm also going to link out to your Oppenheimer episode. Um, Cause I definitely yes, suggest you. you guys go check that out. One out too. Um, But yeah, so like for the next flick on Why the Flick, um, I was going to try to figure out a good way to segue into this movie, but I've not seen it, so I have no idea. I just, um, the only thing I think I can uh, compare these two is that I don't think it's a lighthearted movie at all. Um, It's seven
1: have you ever seen that? Movie? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You've never seen seven.
0: No, I'm scared. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, Claire. Oh honey. Oh no. You might need to just have a, some, have a glass oh sh- of wine before that one. Gosh. Ooh, Lord. Oh no! Mm. It is one of, it was, it's in my top 20. Really? End of story. It was on my top. It was on my top 10 for a long wow. time. And it, it is one of those. It will blow your ever-loving mind, oh, and God. yes, it will stay with you for a long time. And it's it's about the seven deadly sins, right. so it's like like I watched the trailer. Really, there's some really tough. There's some tough scenes <sighs> in there, and some really like. I mean, it's oh gosh, it's so good, and I mean the cast, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. I mean, I was like, I can't wait to hear what you think about this film. (laughs) I'm scared. I'm scared guys, but yeah, I no, No,
0: I think it's, it's going to be a good talk. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And um, I'm going to be joined by Spro and Lee take on the Academy uh, for that episode next time. So definitely check it out and see how traumatized I am. Uh, Just, just come to see (laughs) how wrecked I am. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Uh, You'll have to keep me informed. Will do. I will. Um, But yeah, um, if you enjoyed listening, if you really like listening to Why the Flick, please feel free to give us a five star rating on Apple and Spotify. You can also leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. And uh, you can also follow us on social. We are at Why the Flick on Instagram, Twitter, because I refuse to ever call it X. So I'm going to always call it Twitter. Um, TikTok mm-hmm. and Letterboxd, so you can you can check it, us out there too. Um, Jessica, thank you again for coming on. Yes, it's thank so you much so much. Claire, it was so fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. I had. I loved. It. Even though, like, I was like, it's not going to be a fun movie. I had a fun conversation with you for this.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. we can spin the sad ones, yeah. and the ominous ones into a good time. Yeah, I don't know about seven next next episode, but boy, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you'll. I think you'll be impressed. Okay, cool. It's one of those that's just unreal. Awesome. It's unreal. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for All listening. Right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye.